Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. What's the best way to fish like a local? What if you could book a trip with an experienced local guide with the click of a button? Now you can with Fishing Booker. Now anyone can access enjoyable fishing experiences anywhere. Take the legwork out of setting up that trip and explore more than 30,000 fishing experiences at your fingertips. Just go to fishingbooker.com to get started and book your trip with a local guide. That's fishingbooker.com. Fishing Booker. Fish like a local. Clean and protect your firearms with Riptide Armory. Riptide Armory's products are military and professionally formulated and approved, featuring a groundbreaking graphene-infused ceramic coating that is safe for all surfaces, providing unmatched protection for any firearm. Discover a new standard in gun maintenance. Order your advanced cleaning kits today at RiptideArmory.com. Riptide Armory, relentless performance for your firearms. Hey, this is Tyler Jones, and you're listening to The Element Podcast. What's happening, all my woods people? It is a special day today. This is a special episode. You're hearing from us on a Tuesday. KC. This is crazy, man. What's happening? Oh, my goodness, dude. I don't even know what to do with my hands right now. I don't either. It is so cool because, to be quite honest, I've been looking forward to this day for like, what's it, like nine and a half, ten months, a something like time. that. A long, long time. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know it was going to be this long of a time, actually, I know. nine or ten months ago. <laughs> but uh, over the course of the last year, we've really uh, done a lot of thinking and a lot of work and we have arrived at the day. This is the drop date. This is the release date. We finally have the ability to publicly view Nameless, which is our most recent film, one of our most hard-earned films, and uh, it's it's the big monster. Well, I say monster lightly. <laughs> Giant, maybe, Kansas we gotta buck. we got to tell that story in a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, big old Kansas buck that we killed last year on hey, some public land. congratulations, dude. Thanks, dude. You killed a big deer. It only took you 10 months to tell me that. <laughs> oh, whatever. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But that, it is 10 months later, and you're yeah, telling me that. So thanks, man. Yeah. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Yeah, this is... Um, this, you know, we won't go through the whole story because we want you to guys, guys to go and watch it. And if you want to go watch it, the link is the only link below in this episode show notes. So if you go down there and look at it, there's the link. But real quick before you click that link, make sure you know that we're running a contest uh, to win another OnX premium membership. Um, the way you can win that is simple. Go to Facebook, find the video that we have posted and share that link and video on your Facebook, on your Facebook page. You'll be in the running for the Onyx Premium Membership. And then there's another contest we're running. We're giving away an Exodus Trek trail camera. Ooh. 
Ooh, yeah. what a prize. I know, that's Those are good. two awesome things that I use all the time. That's right. So the way to win the, the Trek trail camera is you would go to YouTube and you put a comment about whatever you think is cool about the film, your favorite part, uh, favorite emotion, whatever you saw in that, in that film that you thought was awesome. You go there and you comment in the section below the video. Tell us something cool about the film that you liked and you will be in the running for the Exodus Trek trail camera. So... If you want to cut us off right here and go to that link, that's fine. <laughs> I, I won't blame you. But we've got a few other things we want to talk about real quick. And uh, we had a couple of questions that we kind of came up for each other for this podcast. This is probably going to be a shorter podcast episode. It's just a special thing because we're really excited about this thing. We put a lot of hard work into it, and we even did some post, uh, post-day production type of stuff from video work uh, just to help tell the story better. And uh, so we really hope you enjoy it. But uh, we've got a couple of questions. How should we do this? Should we? Should I start? Should you start? What do we think? Uh, let me just throw one right at you right Let's now. Let's go. For you ready? It. Yeah. Okay. So I'm gonna lay lay the groundwork right quick. Okay. All right. So two dudes hop in a truck. One yep. dude has been hunting in the Midwest many times in his life. One dude's never been. Mm-hmm. One dude's a hunter. One dude's a videographer. The dude who'd never been, KC. Is the, is going to film this thing, right? Yeah, also we're, we're, a new videographer. <laughs> yeah, also pretty new at the whole videography thing. That's true. And we hop in the truck, and we head out. Mm. And it is cold front coming, rut city up in here, and the hype is real the whole way. Yeah, right? and, and leaders coming through the oh, our spot. Oh, my goodness. In Texas. no lie. <laughs> oh! Yeah, but you can't be everywhere for the cold front, That's right? right? When you're going to be a traveling deer hunter, you got to pick your spots. Yeah. And we picked a pretty good one. Yeah. We head north, head to your lease mm-hmm. that you and your family have been on for quite a while. We hunt that for one day solid. Mm-hmm. Wind shifts on us. Well, the first afternoon, we didn't make it in Yeah, time. we actually went and did some glassing. We had uh, trail camera issues. We had to pick up on the way up there. It gave us, uh, gave us a little... Extra time on the road. Yeah, yeah, we uh, did. And so we did some glassing, which was uh, beneficial, I think, for the future. Yeah, no kidding. I'm Um, hopped about the spot we found that day. Yeah, for sure. So the next morning, Mm -hmm. we hunt your stand. Yeah. The next evening, we hunt your stand. See a really good Mm three-year-old. And, you know, you can tell that deer are cruising. We saw cruising bucks that evening. Had a wind shift. And the next day, the wind wasn't going to be good. Mm -hmm. Made a choice. To go hunt public. Yeah. <clears throat> At that moment, was public land a time filler, like a way to be in the outdoors while you were waiting on the wind to get better for your stand? Or did you really think, I'm going to go out here and kill a deer? Well, I would say if you could put a ratio on time filler versus... uh like a like a positive attitude, optimistic outlook on shooting a deer. Mm-hmm. It would have been more heavy in favor of time filler. Yeah, probably. Um, I just, but I still had a lot of optimism in the situation because of the time I spent in Texas on public with you, mm-hmm. and you know, like I've told the story here on the podcast several times or I've told this kind of big broad theme is that I didn't really have a lot of faith in public land when we first started hunting Mm -hmm. and you know in Texas yeah a lot of times it's pretty lackluster uh, unless you draw a really good hunt or something like that 
Um, but I think that um, there are certain states that do a good job of a having more public land, <laughs> b uh, managing their tags and their yeah. uh, you know potential and just mature natively bucks. having more deer. Yeah, too. yeah that too. Yeah, when exactly. you're in the Midwest during the rut. I mean, you always feel pretty good about your chances if yeah. you're downtown at the cemetery. You I mean, know what I mean? How like, much corn, you know, do those deer have to eat? Oh, you yeah. Know? I mean, and beans and whatever mm-hmm. else. So, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely would say that it was one of those things like, you know, because the wind, if you remember, wasn't great for that public that we hunted either. It wasn't terrible, but it wasn't it wasn't great. Well, we didn't really know what good wind was there at that we, point. Well, I remember... I had an idea i said if we can get a south wind that's for sure yeah. our best yeah. wind mm-hmm. and so anyway we had we still had kind of a, a bad wind but it wasn't terrible mm-hmm. and then uh yeah we hunted there uh two hunts the, the the next afternoon hunt the second hunt the wind actually shifted around basically it was we had a, a buck that was several hundred yards off that was going to cut our wind at, like in the next few minutes and we had to just leave out with like 10 minutes of shooting light left because we didn't want to mess things up and then the wind switched around to the south the next morning and things got real good but uh yeah it was it was definitely i think one of those deals where i was like you know what if i'm gonna go screw something up let's just go out to <laughs> yeah. this, you know pub, yeah. this piece of public that we can you know screw up and not worry too much about it we don't know what's out there and the thing is like if we'd have screwed things up out there we would have never known what we were missing no, you know no, no, no kidding so um yeah it, it was definitely a kind of a time filler more than anything i felt like uh, not that we had like a bunch of crazy big bucks running all over our property either mm-hmm. you know we had a, we were hunting basically two deer that we knew of you know mm-hmm. so which either one would be awesome to shoot and hopefully they show up this year again they're old old deer so i don't know how should we go about this next do you want me to ask you a question or sure. do you want you got one that's appropriate uh i do all right so, <laughs> what so is, uh, what I'm looking at is a grin that only uh, very few people know from Tyler right now. <laughs> so this is going to be good. Yeah. In honest, all honesty, was there any, was there ever any jealousy in the situation after I killed the buck? And it doesn't ooh. have to be like a bad, you know, ooh. like you hate me or anything. Ooh, ooh that's tough, man. Yeah. I mean, um, I wouldn't call it jealousy. I, I like aspire to kill a deer just like that or bigger, you know, There's like that. There. That's the feeling, whatever that might, that whatever you describe that as. I never was like, I never like in my mind said, I wish I was Tyler. I wish I had the bow right now. Because, I mean, I've told you this, like, it was such a cool experience for me because I was new to filming and I'd got to film a freaking toad get smoked, you know, mm. by one of my best buds on public land. Like, who, you can't beat that. Yeah. You know, but, but I mean, there's a reason why I got a tag this year. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Like I'm ready to go to shoot one, you know, like that. Yeah. I I don't think I ever had or experienced any jealousy over the thing. And I'm not saying that just because like you're here and I'm here and I don't want it to be weird. You know what I mean? Like I'm for real. Like we only, we get, we only get so many deer seasons in our life, but we do get more than one. Yeah. You know, and maybe if that was like my only chance to ever kill a deer and I didn't get to, that might be different. I don't, you know, I <laughs> yeah. don't know, but like, that's how I, I look at it, man. It's just like, it's con- my world is constantly getting bigger in this thing. You know, that opened my eyes to more possibilities. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it's, it's way more of a blessing than it ever could be jealousy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just wondering. I, I mean, like, I could see myself being like, "Dang, God, man, I, 
I want to shoot a deer on public. Now, don't get me wrong. I was like, I I probably have had the thought like, there better be daggum another big deer on that place next year because I found that spot. That I, there is, I have said that. There is another I know buck. that's the good thing is that we got him on camera and yeah. we saw another shooter while yep. we were there that we never, we didn't get another chance at. Yep. So, like by all means. Oh man, that that place. Yeah, dude, no. that no. place. I know, dude. <laughs> I am scared. Let's go. <laughs> I'm scared. Yeah. So, it is pretty common knowledge that you did kill a deer on this trip. Yeah, we're not alluding to anything <laughs> at the moment. You smoked a toad. Yeah. So, what was the standard? for public when you went out there like not just in like buck size but also an experience you know tell me both of those i guess um like the experience that i wanted yeah um man i mean being that the like majority of my inner being wanted it to just kind of be a time passer <laughs> there wasn't like a whole lot of experience that i had or that I not that I had that I wanted out of it I guess, um, and this sound this probably sounds super bad and materialistic or whatever. But like I, I honestly I wanted to shoot. I just I just more than anything I wanted to shoot a deer that made me happy. You mm-hmm. know, like so I wasn't like looking. Oh, you never should shoot a deer that doesn't make you happy. Yeah, right. Yeah, and, yeah. And, but I didn't want I didn't have like a an experience that I was striving for. I didn't want like. I didn't have an adventure that I set out to have or whatever on that hunt. So, like, it was, um, I think you kind of know the answer to the standard of the size of buck. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of want you to say it. (laughs) You continue to to joke with me on this one. But there was, like, a two-year-old that, like, he's a gnarly-looking two-year-old. I mean, he's, like... He'd probably go like seventy five inches, you know. Oh, he whipped the whip the tar out of any <laughs> buck around here. Dude, but. He was uh you know, he was kinda heavy for such a small like basket, little eight. Yeah. But he had you know, he had eight points, he had decent brow tines relative to everything else, you know. He was tiny, honestly. Mm. Like this is a deer that like, you know, <laughs> People don't think twice about so, And I was like, mm. I don't think that we portrayed this very much in the film, so I'm going to kind of lay it out. Mm-hmm. That deer came in kind of on my side. You and I were like 180 degrees from each other in a yeah. tree, you know, two tree stands right next to each other, or in the same tree, like just back to back pretty much. And this deer kind of comes in probably at my two o'clock. So for you to shoot him, I'd have to move out of the way. And I kind of didn't move out of the way, so you wouldn't do it. Do you remember that? You yeah. kind of had your bow yeah. around there, and you're like, she was like, nah, I'm just going to stay right here. That yeah. way you can't. Well, I couldn't see him that good. So yeah. I, I'll give you that. Like, when I first, when I first caught gl- a glimpse of him coming in, he looked like a decent little buck coming in, maybe a three-year-old, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, like, getting ready, you know, and you got a better look at him. But even still, like, when he comes in, I'm like, man, what should I do? What should mm-hmm. I do? You're like, uh, not be an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, like, really, honestly, what I wanted uh, from, you know, out of a buck there was just a three-year-old or bigger, yeah. you know. And like, um, it did, I didn't really have, like, a horn size, an antler size, you know, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, like, um, you know, something that's respectable and three years old and i think most three-year-olds in the midwest are gonna be a decent looking buck you know so that was kind of like what i expected and which is crazy because as long as i've hunted up there you know we pretty much uh if it's not five years old we're not shooting it Mm -hmm. you know and so 
And then as soon as I leave that property, I'm like, I'm about to smoke a two-year-old, you know? <laughs> yeah, so. I know. And it's funny how, like, we we do that. Like, we've had this experience a couple times where if it's a place that we've put, like, a lot of time, work, and effort into, you know, there's kind of a, a standard that we really want to shoot a good buck on that place. But as soon as we go somewhere that, like, it's just kind of, uh, you know, free-for-all, like, just... Hey, let's go have some fun yeah. you know it's like let's let's kill a deer that's right, you know? that's right. and it's cool i like that that feeling so yeah me too after nameless how has this is part two still a second okay, question okay how have those two standards changed or have they um i think that as far as size or maturity of buck i think like i'm kind of still there again same spot because now you have a tag so like it would be selfish for me to just sit there and try to you know like pass deer and we haven't really talked about like how we're gonna hunt we i don't know how we ever decide who's gonna hunt really but like somehow we never have any issue it's like (laughs) oh just normally it's like a win thing yeah but you know i've talked about like actually most places we go you know, when we're out of state, we're probably both going to try to have bows with mm-hmm. us, you know, like for instance, especially like in that stand in that particular tree, there's many situations where I would have the shot or you would have the shot, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah. I think it could kind of work that way, at least in that scenario. Yeah. That's, and that's two. a good point. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that's a, that's a great point. And, um, so I don't know, like, I think I'm still there. Um, you know, I don't know. This is this is me being honest, and and I don't know like how people are going to take this. Uh, I sure a lot of guys can relate, but like if it's a, uh, you know, like for instance, you passed a deer last year mm-hmm. that was kind of a smaller, on the smaller end of maybe that like, you know, three year old buck or whatever. Yeah, you like know the what smaller end of the representative, right. Kind of thing. And so like if that was the case. It'd be a different story, but if a deer, if a three-year-old comes in and he's like, just a uh, like ho hum eight point, except for his twos and threes are you know like ten and nine or ten and eight, you know like good mm-hmm. twos and threes, and he just looks cool and I like him, I'm probably gonna just smoke him, you know. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of that's kind of like where I'm at. I think on that. And as far as the experience goes, you know, like we're looking to do some decoying next year, possibly. Um, I don't know. Like, I think that 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 would be really great way to cover a lot of land i'm not sure it's the best way to kill the deer we're after or not mm-hmm. i don't know um i guess it just depends on what deer's in within hearing distance when you go to rattling or whatever you know but um i don't i don't necessarily um like i just being up there where we're at it the experience for me is just being there i mean it's different country it's mm. it's remote in a way you know like it's it's kind of weirdly remote, you know. I mean, you can see so far, and when you can only see one house or something like that, you know, like it's pretty kind of creepy, eerie feeling that I like, kind of. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's hard to get out of the truck because you just want to drive around. Yeah. You know, like just driving and see stuff. I know. That, yeah, because you can see so far. Yeah. yeah, it's it's cool. So like that's kind of that's kind of the way I feel about the experience side of things. Um, my question to you. There's not a part C, is there? No, no, okay. it's just A B. Okay. Um the C's and the K C. <laughs> that's right, yeah. Yeah. Uh so with the majority of whitetail hunts happening on private lands across the US, 
Why do you hunt public land for an animal that is so wily and thrives on public land or on private land? Um, so obvious answer is that private access is limited. Okay. And that's going to be like, I guess like the caveat, like, well, I don't really have a chance to hunt very much private. Well, if I tried as hard to find private as I do to find public, probably would have more private places to hunt, Mm -hmm. you know? I think that, like, I've talked about this before on the podcast, but in 2013, I kind of caught this bug um, when I was hunting really big deer on public land, and ever since then, man, it's just just cool because it's the biggest tracks around, at least in our area, and oftentimes in other states you go to as well. And then, so you can cover a ton of ground, see deer how they're supposed to act, um, still hunt them on food sources sometimes. And then, I mean, I'm not going to lie, I like the, like, competitiveness, like, in the sense that anybody can go out there and do that. Mm -hmm. Anybody could have been sitting in the stand or in the tree that we went in and sat in and shot this deer and beat us to the spot, but they didn't. You Mm -hmm. know, like, that's cool to me. I, I like the... Maybe competitiveness isn't the right word, but just, like, the equal opportunity mm-hmm. for anyone to go do this, and I'm going to go do it, and I'm going to make it happen. Yeah. I'm going to make it work. Yeah. I really like that, man. For sure, man. It's yeah. cool. I mean, I, I don't know. I was just I was thinking about that because, you know, like, you and I have required a couple of permissions this year, and, you know, we've talked about how, like, they're liable to make us a lazy hunter. No kidding. You know I mean? Yeah. And... I mean, in a way, you know, I mean, there's different, definite different challenges to hunting a private spot mm-hmm. than, than a public, uh, spot, you know, or whatever. But I mean, there's also, you know, I feel like kind of like the same deal with me in the Midwest. Like mm-hmm. I'm hunting, if I'm hunting private, I'm, I'm looking for a five-year-old deer. If I'm hunting public, it's three, you know, or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, sometimes I feel like I have a better chance of shooting one on public and, in some certain scenarios mm-hmm. if I, if my goals are set like sure. that, which is kind of exciting. Like you were yeah. saying earlier, like sometimes it's exciting to be like, man, I got a pretty good shot of shooting a deer this year mm-hmm. or this, you know, this hunt or whatever. Whereas like on my private spot there, if we're holding out for five-year-olds, like there's a good chance I'm not going to have a chance at a five-year-old that whole year. Yeah. You know? Guarantee so. you. Well, you know, if he's not on your property, then he's not there. Yeah. If you're hunting public, then, oh, well, I'll just you know, drive six miles over here and hunt this spot. Right, yeah. Oh, that's, I mean, the freedom is just, like, awesome. And to be honest, man, like, I say that preposition too much, Donna, to be honest, but I am honest when I say this, so it's it's, it's meaningful. (laughs) Um, As I continue and as I learn more and hunt more on public, this just grows, but I feel that at the moment... There's not a lot of situations, like, say I was, like, flying a helicopter across the U.S., had my bow and my hunting stuff with me, and accidentally fell out and survived, and all my stuff was fine. There's not a lot of situations I feel like I could be dropped into, and I wouldn't be able to kill a deer because I've hunted public. Mm -hmm. If I had very effectively hunted corn feeders my whole life, like I did for much of my life... Mm -hmm. And killed a lot of deer off a of corn feeder, and then had to go and try to figure out something about like how deer are using water, or you know, 
uh, doe bedding areas and how bucks are going to check those and didn't know anything about it and never tried to hunt that way, I'd be lost, yeah. you know? And I think that that public, like, forces you into perfecting your craft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd agree, man. So this is my last turn to get you to trip over yourself. Oh, no. <laughs> no, it's not going to be trip over yourself. But I feel like we have a very uh, open line of communication and a very, like, like honest thing going on right now. So I'm going to get you to be honest about something. How much do you think you deserved that buck? And the deserved being the emphasis of words there. Ooh, it doesn't matter which way I answer this. People are going to hate me. Uh, let's see. How much, did, how much do I think I deserved to shoot that buck? Um. Man, that is a tough question. I'll say, let me let me just try to formulate a few thoughts here, and I'll probably stumble while I'm doing it. Um, so, I think I deserved the buck. Like, I think I have spent a long time hunting, and <laughs> don't be smiling at me, <laughs> uh, and learning, and then we've spent a few years on public. And honestly, like, in 2016... It wasn't a whole season, but like I didn't pick up my bow and take it out to public one time. I yeah. bought a public hunting permit so that I could follow you around with a camera mm-hmm. just to learn. Like I, I don't know many people out there that are like, yeah, man, let me just grab a camera and follow some dude around, you know, in the woods for a couple of months and, you know, try to figure things out. You know, I mean, like that's that's a true like apprenticeship, you know, I mean, I think you you when you apprentice you earn the right eventually to like take on the actual job you know and do what you're supposed to do and so like there's that um and i was thinking about this other aspect maybe yesterday but like you have to have luck on your side mm-hmm. every time that you shoot a deer i think you know i mean it doesn't matter but a deer, if he's, you know, I mean, he could be standing there broadside, 25 yards on a piece of private, eating from a corn feeder. And when you send that arrow, you're going to need some luck. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Just that he doesn't drop 14 inches or whatever, you know? Yeah. And um, so there, there's always luck involved, I think. And I think that we were truly lucky being that we were hunting some pretty wide open country and this buck ended up, you know, coming right to us. Um at the same time, we put all the pieces of puzzle, you know, looking back at it, looking at it, I mean, you, you in, in the film, you go, dude, you called it. You said we needed a south wind and, mm-hmm. like, you know, this and that. Like, so we had the assumptions correct. We made the assumptions and we knew that, or we thought, with a lot of, not certainty, but with a lot of promise that if we ended up hunting where we thought we needed to be in the tree we thought we needed to be in and the wind was right that it could happen and i think that um i mean i think that looking back on it we were right in that assumption and we did the right things and i can look back and we've talked about this several times on land in texas where maybe not as many mature bucks not as many deer in general 
um, possibly. Um, like, I can see plenty of times when we screwed up and we did the wrong thing. I mean, we talked about it. Like, last October, early October, we should have been hunting oak trees, and we were idiots, and we were not, you mm-hmm. know? And um, so, I mean, I think, like, that's another another case is another case we learned something we just we learn every time we go out so like i think yes i deserved it i think yes that it it also took a lot of luck um the experience helped us out but you know there's always the 12 year old boy that shoots the 240 or whatever Mm -hmm. that like doesn't have a clue what he's doing so that happens so i guess like where we you know where we kind of get to prove that maybe it wasn't a ton of luck is where we come up this this season and how we you know, how we end up this season. Uh, but I mean, you passed a great buck last year for a public land, Texas buck that was literally like five yards from our stand. I mean, he was, he came all the way right under us, you know, you're drawn twice on him. And then we had you, uh, like your main target deer last year at 28 yards and couldn't get a shot at him. And so I think like our encounters show that we're learning stuff mm-hmm. and that we maybe have a little bit of knowledge um, but all of this said is to, to say this as well, um, you know, like a person can go and hunt private or public. I mean, we know people, we've talked to people that have, you know, are new hunters say, and they hunt for five years and they hadn't shot a deer yet, you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't think, I mean, yeah, they're a new hunter, but I don't think that that's necessarily the only thing. You know, I think sometimes the, it's just not in the cards for you for a deer to show up. Mm-hmm. I mean, last year, like you said, we had two encounters with with pretty much shooter bucks for most people on public land in Texas, and both of them you had the bow in hand. So, like, last year when I had a bow in my hand, I did not actually have an encounter on Texas public lands with a deer that was a shooter. Yeah. Um, and so, and it, you know, obviously it happened elsewhere for me, but like, that's my, that's kind of my point is like, if it's not in the cards for you, it just ain't going to happen. And so, I don't know, that's a long question or a long answer to that question, but it's kind of a difficult question. Um, yes, I think we deserved it. Yes. There are people out there that deserve it that aren't getting that either. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's just, it's just luck, you know, I really literally like have never won uh, on a scratch off lottery card. So I mean, there's several. I know a guy that's that won thirty thousand in one month. You know, so like it's just that's just one of those things, man. So, Mm -hmm. um, so my does that satisfy what you were kind of trying to get at there? Okay, just making sure. Yeah. Um, Okay, so my last question is, what kind of stoke did the hunt for nameless give you for the 2018 season? (laughs) Dang! Oh my gosh! So. After that hunt, I pretty much have spent, I don't have the average, and I wish I did. You know how your phone tracks how many steps you have? Yeah. I wish my Trump phone would track how many, like, hours spent on Onyx Maps <laughs> that I've put in since then. Dang. Because I guarantee you there are, like, 68 waypoints inspired by this hunt on the map of places that I map scout and say, okay, if this is just like that was, and this is how that was, then this place right here should be just right. You know, like, yeah. so pretty much you could say, like, <clears throat> I don't know if stoking is even the right word, because stoking, like, it's like a, a bro word, right? But stoking is, it means, like, to, like, kind of, 
prod the fire a little bit yeah. to kind of tender it up. More like just taking and opening the door and squirting the lighter fluid in there, like the whole bottle. Uh, that's kind of kind of on the gas on it. it. <laughs> yeah, like that's. I, I told you when it happened. I was like, I get it now. And this is even before we even killed that deer. But yeah. like, I get why people drive ten, twelve hours to go to the Midwest and hunt. Like mm-hmm. it totally makes sense. You know, don't get me wrong. I love it here, but. Yeah. Uh, you know, in Texas, it's cool. But, man, you start going to, like, these places that are known for deer and have good deer densities and just the rut happens when it's supposed to and you can see, like, the action. It's insane, man. It's like what we live for and yeah. what, like, you and I around here are, like, trying to grasp a hold of in all these different places and barely getting to experience it. And then you go up there and it's, like, system overload. Yeah. It's so cool. <laughs> yeah. I cannot wait. Dude, I know. And, like, what's funny is that uh, sometimes I get a little worried with your map dots. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, I'll be like, we'll be chilling. Be like, dude, I'll find this new property. And, like, you literally, your thumbs are moving so fast <laughs> that I can't even see what you're doing. Like, But there's, like, 14 properties you're trying to show me. Like, you know, dude, we only got two tags. I know it. <laughs> but... So we're like, you know, but, yeah, it, it, I mean, obviously, like, if we didn't have a plan B last year, we wouldn't have shot that buck. Yeah. And so, I mean, you're coming up with a C, D, all the way through Z pretty much. Yeah. But, you know, like the thing is, I mean, you may have a few properties that are a few miles apart or whatever that like, you know, it's good to know that like, yeah, this property is here next to this property, but either maybe it's not good or just, I would just really check out this corner mm-hmm. so we can drive by and be efficient when we're driving by and scouting or whatever quickly, you know? So it is good to have all those dots. I feel yeah. like, you know, and I mean, to be honest, man, Lord willing, we got 40 plus more seasons to go do this, yeah. you know? And I, I know you should never take that for granted, but golly, why not plan on it? Cause yeah. you don't want it to be the other way. Well, and, you know? I mean, and another thing is, if we do decoy stuff, like, we're going to burn some properties, oh, yeah. you know what that's, I mean? That's what so, I'm saying, dude. Yeah. yeah, you you can, you know, hit 15 map dots in one day if you're, you know, going in there and cruising with the decoy and doing that thing. That's right. So, that's, yeah, for real. It's exciting, dude. I'm I'm pumped. I just, yeah, I just wanted to kind of, uh, I, I mean, I kind of knew, but, yeah, I just wanted to see <laughs> you where you're You probably tell sure. a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's good to get that out in the open. That way we both understand right. how excited Casey is for this. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that kind of, like, that brings us to a wrap with this, uh, kind of with this episode. Um, we're just really excited to bring you all this film. Hope you guys love it as much as we loved making it and getting the opportunity and the blessing to make it. Um, this week... In a couple of days, there's going to be another episode out, and it's going to be more back on our normal track. Um, we've got our regular episode airing on Thursday, and we have Mr. Chris Derrick of Sick of Gear, and that's going to be that was a pretty cool interview. We got yeah. to go to the headquarters, yeah. and what's your favorite part about the headquarters there? Man, that's a tough question too. I know mine. <clears throat> uh, okay, tell me yours, and I'll okay. tell you mine. Mine was the doll sheep. Um, mount that they had the one in the backpack yeah that was cool that was sick dude yeah there was uh they had this like uh doll sheep obviously like you probably have to shoot more than one doll sheep to get yours mounted this Mm -hmm. way (laughs) but it was like you know it was the cape rolled out and like had the hooves kind of hanging out like they had been caped out and they're just hanging on the back of this pack and the and it was wasn't it a mannequin that had yeah it had on like a sick uh, yeah yeah and so and then the doll you know was 
attached to the back of the pack with his, you know, his horns hanging out and all the skin, the cape or whatever kind of hanging down. It was like, it was dirty, dude. Yeah. It was cool. That was cool. I think that one stuck out a lot to me. But um, outside of like our interview with Chris, of course, which was awesome and like getting to hang out, but and like being in that, like, we were kind of in the room where like stuff gets done at Sitka too. That was cool. Mm-hmm. And I think that like looking back on the board, behind us and like i'm not going to tell you everything that was was there because they told us not to but like just <laughs> just in general seeing like sitka's commitment to conservation mm-hmm. was cool because yeah. like that's kind of always been something i hung my hat on but like deep down inside i'm like man i feel cool when i wear this stuff you know yeah. like i'm not gonna <laughs> yeah. lie yeah. but like i i i justified and i say that you know yeah i feel cool in this but like the real reason I stay here, the real reason I stick with this stuff is because I truly believe in their message, mm-hmm. you know, and their message is to make the greatest gear on earth, but it's also to uh, conserve the resources that we all enjoy mm-hmm. and make sure that they're there for generations to come. And yeah. I could see that in right. everyone that we talk to. For sure, the, yeah. At headquarters. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, you'll get to hear that uh, when you listen to the episode with Chris. Interesting guy, family guy, just like us, man, and uh, really easy to talk to. Uh, it just felt like one of the dudes, you know. So yeah. uh, I hope you guys are looking forward to hearing that. Pretty cool, couple cool stories. Um, also, just wanted to say thank you guys for watching the film and for your feedback uh, in advance because uh, I'm hoping that you want to win that Onyx Premium membership or the uh, Exodus Trek Trail Camera. And uh, therefore, you know, like I said, Share the post on Facebook, comment on YouTube, and you'll be in the running for those two products. But uh, anyway, thank you all so much, and uh, we'll see you again here on Thursday. God bless, and remember, this is your element. Living it. Are you looking for relentless performance for your firearms? If so, Riptide Armory is the ultimate destination for superior gun cleaning and protection. Riptide Armory offers American-made innovative products out of Arvada, Colorado. Whether it's the delicate finish of a collectible or the rugged exterior of a tactical weapon, you can clean without risk of damage. Visit RiptideArmory.com and discover the difference true quality can make for your firearms. Riptide Armory, a veteran-founded business. I've been telling you guys about Land.com to help you find a place to call your own and do all the hunting and fishing and hanging with the family that you want. While owning your own piece of land is something that can generate memories, I can speak to this personally because my family, we own a couple small, beautiful little backcountry parcels it can also generate income in both the near and long term like starting a rental business slash family compound that can benefit both this and future generations check out the hundreds of thousands of rural listings from across america enough dreaming about it land.com is the place to find and invest in your open space 